How do you define success? Well, society generally tells us uh, that success has to do with bigger, better, and more. You know, bigger house, better car, more money. Uh, in church world, success has long been identified as bigger budgets, better programs, more people, you know, something like that. But the question is, is that how we should be defining success? Is that the purpose to which we are called as churches and as ministry leaders, just to simply strive for bigger, better, and more? Well, in this conversation, Nicholas Pierce, author of The Purpose Path, helps us get a healthier understanding of what success really is. And spoiler alert, it has nothing to do with bigger, better, and more. Surprise! (laughs) Right? It has to do with faithfully following the purpose to which God has called us. I'm Marcus Watson, and this is episode 130 of Spiritual Life and Leadership. Hey everyone, I'm here with Dr. Nicholas Pierce. Uh, Nicholas is the author of The Purpose Path, A Guide to Pursuing Your Authentic Life's Work, Uh, and he's also Clinical Professor of Management and Organizations at Northwestern University Kellogg School of Management, uh, as well as the founder and CEO of the Volcati Group, and he's also Assistant Pastor at the Apostolic Church of God in Chicago. Hi, Nicholas. How are you doing? I'm great, Marcus. Thank you so much for having me. How are you today? Uh, I'm doing great, and I'm really excited about uh, the conversation we're going to have today. Um, Tell us briefly what you do. Uh, A lot of things we just mentioned, so (laughs) fill us in. Yeah, I I know it's got to be a mouthful, and some days it feels like a headful. Uh, Um, I have the privilege of serving as a professor in one of the top business schools in the world. I have the privilege of serving leaders of Fortune 500 companies Mm. and nonprofits and even government agencies and churches and denominations Mm. uh, through my consulting firm, the Volcati Group, Mm. and also have the the privilege of serving one of the best churches on earth Uh. (laughs) um, as assistant pastor. So as a professor and pastor and author and uh, frequent speaker, um, I really view that as just a part of my life's work outside Mm. of my house professionally. But Mm. the things that actually matter most to me uh, are the fact that I'm a husband, a dad, Mm. and a son, uh, and my family uh, and the impact that I'm able to make in the lives of those most directly connected to me um, is as important, if not more important, than what I'm able to do outside my house. I often say that um, people can be public successes, but be private failures. Mm, and so whenever yeah. I have the opportunity to introduce myself, in addition to the name, rank, and serial number, so to speak, or mentioning yeah. that I'm from the South side of Chicago or whatever the yeah. case may be, yeah. I, I really do uh, prize and privilege uh, my family identity. Mm, that's great. That's great. And that theme of success is a big part of your book. And so we'll talk about that as we get into it. I, I'm looking forward to that. Let me ask you a couple of quick, quick get to know you questions. Um, uh, first of all, uh, Nicholas, uh, what was the last book that you read? The last book that I read is actually an early release of a book by Robin Roberts called mm. Brighter by the Day. 
Oh. Uh, and so that was a, a delightful read about um, the concept of waking up to new hopes and dreams. So mm. um, was was thrilled to be able to review uh, that book by Robin. Cool. Cool. Well, I'll put a link in the show notes. And uh, when does that come out? Does that come out soon? I don't know the date. It's got to be soon. Um, yeah. so, soon or soon-ish. Yeah. Um, good. But it won't be long. Okay, that good. Much I good, good, good. <laughs> good. Awesome. Uh, and then next question, what was your first job? My first job uh, volunteering was hmm. at the age of four in my church. So the church that oh. I currently serve as assistant pastor is the church uh-huh. I grew up in. Wow. So I was four years old um, working in our church's uh, bookstore. And our bookstore at that time was really just a series of, of eight foot long tables in uh-huh. the the vestibule of the church mm-hmm. huh. where uh, people were able to purchase Bible tabs, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Bibles, um, highlighters that didn't uh, leak through the pages, nice. uh, and <laughs> albums and cassette tapes of the worship service. Oh. Um, so that was my first volunteer job. My That's first cool. paying job of any consequence was mm-hmm. as a laborer on a construction site. Hmm. And uh, that job, among many things, uh, taught me the value of staying in school. Oh, interesting. Um, and the value of also the hard work that many people who have not gone to school put in mm-hmm. each and every day to yeah. make our society what it is. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, every every job, every vocation matters, right? Um, That's yeah. right. Yeah. Well, good. Well, let's uh, let's talk about your book. Um, again, the title is The Purpose Path, uh, A Guide to Pursuing Your Authentic Life's Work. And one of the things that you talk a lot about, uh, and there's five questions uh, that you ask, and I think the first one is, how do we define success or what is success? Um, I, I sh- you can confirm that for me. <laughs> uh, but what is what, success? What, that's right. Yeah. Let, let's talk about success. What is success? How do we define success? How do we typically define success? And is there a better way? Absolutely. I think many of us from an early age learn how to define success based on how other people around us define success. Mm-hmm. Uh, we learned this from an early age with our parents or our family members, our loved ones. Uh, and we also learn it in school from our teachers. Uh, does your teacher like you to underline the final answer? Do they like mm. you to circle the final answer? Do they mm. want you to put a box around it? Do they want you to highlight it? Like whatever you want, I'll give it to you. You like right. MLA citations, APA citations. I'll give that to you. Like right. whatever it is, um, double space, single space, one inch margins. I'll give it to you. Mm-hmm. And we naturally learn how to keep score by how other people set up scorecards for us. We ask for rubrics so that we know whether we're measuring up to other people's definitions of success. Hmm. And that continues into our adulthood in many cases. And we we pursue definitions of success that have been handed to us by our managers or by the culture, by the media, mm-hmm. by the church, um, by our neighbors. Uh, and this whole concept of pursuing that which others define as success often leaves many of us living on autopilot, chasing after definitions of success Mm. that are neither authentic to us nor honoring of God's call for us. So I think really the question of what is success 
is best answered by faithfulness. Hmm. Um, I don't think God ever called us to be successful in the way that the world defines it. Yeah. Uh, I'm not suggesting that financial well-being or influence in the marketplace or other things are not good. I'm not saying they're mm-hmm. bad, yep. um, but I think success for each of us is best defined by the scorecard of our souls that God has placed there. Are mm-hmm. you being faithful? Am I being faithful to what it is that the Lord has created and called and claimed me to do? Mm-hmm. Um, one decision at a time, not just in, in broad strokes as we look at the arc of someone's life, yeah. but at three o'clock. Did, did you do in your three o'clock conversation what God sent you into that moment to do? Were you yeah. sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit? Yeah. Did you lead with integrity? Did you speak with integrity? Were you a mm-hmm. blessing to someone? Um, mm-hmm. Were you loving, or kind, compassionate? Uh, whatever the case may be, I believe success is best thought of as simple faithfulness, one decision mm-hmm. at a time. Yeah, that's good. And... Um, <clears throat> And of course, that ties into our purpose, which is uh, the very overarching theme of the book, your book, The Purpose Path. How does a proper understanding of of success help us understand our purpose uh, in life? Yeah, I I think when we have an improper or perhaps less complete view of Mm. success, what happens is we start climbing the ladders that are handed to us and we call that success. And I don't know about you, Marcus, but I've met many people who have climbed those ladders successfully, but got to the top and felt like they were failures Mm. because they were living on autopilot. They Mm. they were not living free. They they were trapped in their one precious life, spending their days in ways that may have been good to some, but not good to them. Um, And I don't mean good to them in terms of how self-enhancing they were. I mean, in terms of how faithfully they were spent. Um, You climb a ladder, you get to the top. What do you do when you recognize that ladder is leaning against the wrong wall? Yeah. yeah, Like, is that success? Wall Street applauded you. But when you look at yourself in the mirror, you, you know, you, you didn't complete the assignment. You got to understand the assignment. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so the idea of defining success correctly connects with being able to live out our purpose faithfully um, because our definitions of success are like rudders. Yeah. They orient us in certain directions. Yeah. And ultimately, if God and the glory of God um, and faithfulness to God Mm-hmm. are at the core of your definition of success, then prayerfully each day you're allowing the spirit of God to orient your life, your talents, your time in whatever directions that honor God. And I'll say mm-hmm. one more thing about it. And that's that sometimes it is in moments that are off script mm-hmm. where we see God using us on purpose the most. Um, sometimes these moments of purpose present themselves as distractions or disruptions Mm -hmm. to our regularly scheduled programming. But if we can be faithful in the turns and lean with God in the turns of our days and the turns of our lives, uh, I believe God can get glory. Yeah. Um, I, I bet 
I bet you've experienced this. Uh, and so I wonder uh, how have you, if you don't mind sharing, um, had to perhaps rethink what success is and how has that affected your own sense of purpose in your life? Absolutely. Uh, you mentioned I'm a professor at Northwestern University at the Kellogg School of Management, which is also where I earned my PhD hmm. in management and organizations. And in doctoral programs, um, the holy grail, essentially, the, the definition of success that is set up for you yeah. is to pursue a tenure track professorship. Now, I'll stay out of the, the inside baseball and the deep weeds on this. Yeah. But I will say that while I am a professor at Northwestern at the Kellogg School, mm-hmm. I have a non-tenure eligible faculty appointment. Mm. And once I recognized that that was the path I wanted to take because it would enable me to make the impact in the marketplace and the impact mm. in the church mm-hmm. that I knew I was called to make, yeah. I recognized there was some pressure to conform to the dominant prevailing definition of success. And so yeah. I struggled with. Do I pursue a a path that will enable me to be faithful to the call of God? What do I do with my advisors and those who are in authority over me, who are at a certain level invested in me pursuing their definition of success? Yeah. And I'll never forget it. One afternoon I was in the the office and my advisor uh, called me in for one of those impromptu meetings Mm. and Many of us, whether it's in grad school or in our workplaces, know that sometimes an unscripted impromptu meeting that is called by your manager when they see you, yeah, uh, that's usually not going to be to convey good news. <laughs> yeah. And so I went into my advisor's office. Her name was uh, Dr. Catherine Phillips. Uh-huh. Uh, she was a legendary professor here at Kellogg, but also mm-hmm. at Columbia Business School in New York City. Um, she pulled me into her office and she said, Nicholas, um, we know you're a gifted scholar. You write very well. You have a a bright future in this field. You think well, you ask great questions, but I've also seen you preach on television Hmm. and I know you're a gifted minister. And so you need to own the fact that you are, you're not either of these, you're both of them. Huh? And you need to find a career path that will enable you to continue to be both because we need you to be both. Hmm. And that moment freed me, Marcus, because I was stuck in the pursuit of another person or another institution's definition of success. When in that moment, the standard bearer for the institution said to me, we need you to be you. Hmm. We need you to pursue what God has placed in your life. Hmm. I'll never forget that conversation. And I will hmm. forever remain in Kathy's debt yeah. um, because <laughs> that set me up on the path that I am now. Uh, and I haven't turned back. Yeah. Uh, was that hard to receive at first or did it, or did it make sense immediately? What, what was that? What was your reaction in that moment? It was both, Marcus. I mean, it made oh. immediate sense. <laughs> and it was hard to receive because yeah. I didn't know what was going to come next. Yeah, yeah. The fact that you've seen me preach on television mm. when I'm not a minister in your church, mm. um, it's like, oh boy, uh, <laughs> this is not a part of my life that I broadcasted at Kellogg. I certainly didn't hide it Yeah. Um, when I was in my PhD program. 
Um, but I knew it was not something that most people would be inclined to embrace. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so at first it was what's going to happen here. Yeah. Then it was, Oh boy, when's the shoe going to drop? Yeah. And then it was like, Oh, I'm free. Huh? Yeah. And it didn't, it didn't sink in that I was literally being freed hmm. to be who I was called to be. Yeah. Until probably some days after the fact, when I recognized I could stop hiding, I could stop creating a picture that I want to pursue your definition of success. Because yeah. I was afraid that I would be disinvested in. I was afraid that I wouldn't be able to finish my program. I was yeah. afraid I'd be blacklisted, mm. in essence, for yeah. not pursuing their definition of success. But once I yeah. recognized that it was my advisor who was doing the freeing. Yeah. That, w- that was a, a leadership lesson for me, too, to hmm. recognize that sometimes the best thing that leaders and managers can do is not treat their people like things hmm. and reduce their value to the value of what they produce, yeah. but to treat them like people with aspirations and goals and gifts and callings yeah. Yeah. and to be instruments of liberation and, and encouragement mm-hmm. in their lives. So that yeah. was a leadership lesson for me. At the same time as it was certainly career defining. Yeah. Wow. Um, uh, two things that you kind of touched on in, in how you experienced that that I, I'd love to follow up on. One is um, identity, and the other is pivoting. You, you both. There was a sense of uh, call to being. I think you said to really be who you were called to be. Uh, and then, and then you had to pivot. So maybe talk about those two things. What's the role of our identity in terms of uh, following our purpose? Um, and then, what? How do we pivot? How do we make that change? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think as followers of Christ, it's incumbent upon us to recognize that the the world is not our home. Mm. Um, in a very real sense, we are our sojourners. We're pilgrims passing through we are ambassadors mm. of our kingdom and of our king yeah so we we have passports that note our citizenship is in heaven but our passports get stamped on the day we're born mm. <laughs> right it's this very interesting phenomenon and so mm. i think part of the yeah. identity piece is to recognize mm-hmm. that we are in the world but we're not of the world. Yeah. Our citizenship is a heavenly one. Um, our king is not an earthly king. Yeah. And our primary allegiance should be to the kingdom of God, not to the kingdom or nation yeah. uh, that we might feel most aligned with on earth. And yeah. that drives everything. Mm. One of the things that has saddened me most, Marcus, is to see how many of God's people um, would be more apt to rally behind an elephant or a donkey Mm. than they would be to rally behind the Lamb Mm. of God. Mm -hmm. Um, This nationalistic tribalism, Mm. I think, is really most a matter of identity. Um, And our identities get discipled into us. Yeah. Um, and so any errant identities have to get discipled out of us. Yeah. 
Hmm. We are who God says we are. We are not who CNN, MSNBC, Fox News, CBS, ABC, NBC say to us we are. We are beloved. We are accepted. We are chosen. We are loved. We are heirs of God, joint heirs of Christ. Um, And when we own our identity as given by our creator, then everything else flows from that. Our Mm. character flows from that. Our sense of vision flows from that. Our sense of purpose flows from that. And uh, and as you so in your case, as you began to embrace that identity that you were being called into, you made that pivot, right? You started to shift the way you thought about your purpose. Tell us about that, and and how can someone who is sensing that pivot coming uh, or or the need to pivot to help us understand that? Yeah, sure. Well, for me, I knew I was called to ministry when I was seven years old. Hmm. Um, didn't know quite how it would play out Um, and didn't think of it as a career path. Mm. Did not know I was going to be a professor until I was in my mid twenties and did not have any lifelong aspirations to do that. Mm. Did not know I was going to be the CEO of a consulting firm until my late twenties had no Mm. idea. This was not something that was on my bucket list. And so I think for my own story, if it can be at all beneficial or encouraging, is to trust God with each step. Mm. And instead of trying to master plan a 10 or 20 year plan, um, trust God um, one day at a time. What opportunities is God putting before you? What nudging are you feeling in your spirit? Uh, What opportunities... Uh, are recurring themes. Yeah. Uh, who are the people you are meeting? What are the types of problems you feel most inclined mm. to spend your life and time solving? Yeah. Um, what is God stirring in you? What What seems to be the area in which you are able to flow with a gifted ease? Mm. Um, not that it's easy, but that you're able to flow with the wind of God at your back. These sorts of questions are really important. And Mm. that's why um, for some of us, um, pivoting can be really, really quite liberating because Mm. we've known it all along. And that's Mm -hmm. why I shared my story of call. Mm. I wasn't surprised when I moved into pastoral ministry. Um, It was just, making the choices that were required to align what I was doing with my days yeah. with what I knew God had called me to do with my life. Yeah. Uh, and so what I would mm-hmm. say for, for many of us is that we already know purpose. We already know what God is calling us to. Yeah. And while we're out here praying for courage or praying for a miracle or praying for God to, to give us some degree of clarity, what we just need to do is start walking in principle, mm-hmm. right? Um, God is not always going to do the miraculous. Sometimes yeah. God just wants to see if you'll put into practice what you know. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. Instead of praying for clarity, maybe we should be praying for courage. Mm. And for some of us, it's the courage to do what we've always known. For others of us, it's the courage to pivot. And this yeah. is what I call vocational courage. 
is having clarity mm. about your calling, about your vocation. Yeah. Yeah. But then at the same time, exhibiting the commitment to make the difficult choices, however, however mundane they, they turn out to be. Yeah. It's making those choices to connect your daily work with yeah. your life's work. Or yeah. Yeah. as my friend Connie Lindsay often puts it, uh, to connect your soul with yeah. your role. Oh, that's good. Um, yeah, that's good. Um, one of the things I'm thinking about here is, you know, most of our listeners are pastors, ministry leaders. And so uh, I guess my question is, uh, again, kind of twofold. First of all, for pastors and ministry leaders who are, you know, the world is changing. Uh, and it's being a pastor today is different than it was 50 years ago, 20 years ago, even 10 years ago, right? And um, and lots of pivoting, especially through COVID and after COVID. And um, I, so, and then congregation members, right? People in our congregations are having to pivot and rethink their purpose and rethink success and and all of this. Uh, and, and in a world in which so many churches are declining, which feels very unsuccessful, um, and budgets are declining. The typical standards of success that we have always sort of leaned on um, aren't really there the way they used to be. What words of encouragement and maybe advice um, or what words in general would you give to a pastor who's trying to navigate his or her own sense of purpose? Um, and then and then perhaps also um, if, there, if, a, if a pastor is wondering, how do I help my people? What how do I how do I encourage them? What what would you say to them? Sure. Well, first of all, uh, to my my brother, sister, pastor, uh, be encouraged. Mm. This is a difficult season. It has been a difficult season. It still is a difficult season, mm. and your survival um, is evidence of God's goodness and faithfulness. Mm. So. Let's just celebrate the fact that you're still standing <laughs> yeah, um, or sitting <laughs> or slumped over. You're still being, <laughs> That's right? right. That's right. You're That's still right. showing up. <laughs> yep. And, and that, that, is, that is noteworthy and, and celebration worthy. Yeah. Um, one of the best things I, do, I think that pastors can do to encourage their parishioners to be more vocationally courageous yeah. is to exhibit that same hmm. vocational courage themselves. Yeah. Um, and while some pastors um, may be very much called to continue serving in ministry, there are some pastors for whom God may be calling them to a next chapter, mm -hmm. but because they are so comfortable with and accustomed to the chapter that God previously called them to, yeah. They are resistant to engage and embrace the new chapter to which God may be calling them. Mm. And so if you as an individual can exhibit vocational courage, that may be a great model for your congregation. Yeah. People assume, well, if I'm doing church work, then it must be the calling of God. Yeah. And yes, church work is important. We do need um, certain things to be completed uh, with a spirit of excellence. We certainly do need things to be done um, for the good of the body of Christ, etc. And yet, um, the fact is that not all church work can necessarily be attached to your calling. Mm. Right? In some mm. cases, your church work may actually be 
taking you away from your calling mm-hmm. in some regard. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was talking to a, a very, very well-known minister has uh, churches on, on the east coast of the United States. And he was telling me one evening about some of his plans around succession and some of his mm-hmm. plans around setting up the church for a new uh, reality and how part of that was passing the baton. And I said, how is it that you have been used of God to build such a great work? And at the age you currently find yourself at, you are comfortable with starting the conversation about succession. (laughs) You're not being pushed out. You're not being aged out. You're not Mm. falling off and people kind of saying, hey, who's next? How are you able to do this? Hmm. And what he said to me, I'll never forget it, Marcus. He Uh said, I'm clear on what God wants me to do next. Hmm. And if I have confidence that God is calling me to a next, I can let go of my now. And many people don't let go of their now to be able to embrace their next. And they find themselves out of sync with the times and seasons of God. Oh, that's good. That's good. Well, um, yeah, this is uh this is an ongoing challenge, uh, right, for well, not just churches, of course, but for everyone. Um, and I think I think uh listening is a big part of it, listening to God, listening to each other, listening to your own spirit, so to speak. Uh, I wonder if does that sound right to you? Maybe a final thought on on that. Who do we listen to and how do we listen? Um, and the, the voices that we have the opportunity to listen to mm-hmm. are ever louder, ever more diverse. Um, many mm. of them are absolutely noise. Mm. Yeah. And part of the, the challenge of embracing calling and vocation yeah. is that you do have to listen for it. Yeah. Uh, vocation comes from a Latin word meaning calling. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people want to call themselves. Well, I don't know about you. I've never received a phone call that I initiated to myself. <laughs> right. All right. Um, right. At some point, there's another entity that has to initiate the call that I am receiving. Yeah. And so I, I would agree with the wisdom of the ages, certainly articulated um, by Parker Palmer who says that vocation is not a goal to be achieved. It's a gift to be received, Mm. which means that the whole concept of listening for the voice of our creator Mm. amid the many, many voices that are vying for our attention and our our loyalty, our obedience, becomes that much more important. If we can trust in the Lord with all of our hearts, the proverb says. Yeah. Lean not to our own understanding, but in yeah. all of our ways, acknowledge, remember, prioritize the Lord yeah. that he'll direct our paths. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. Um, uh, Nicholas, thank you so much for being here today. Uh, if, if people want to find out more about you and your work, where can they go? Sure. Um, first, you can follow me on social media at N-A-P-P-H-D on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, or LinkedIn, or you can visit our website, uh, which is 
nicholaspierce.org. Nice. And that's P-E-A-R-C-E, right? That's right. P-E-A-R-C-E and Nicholas with an H. With an H. Awesome. Hey, yeah, thank you so much uh, for this book. Uh, Great book and uh, highly recommend it. And just thanks again for a great conversation today. Thanks for having me, Marcus. God bless. Well, I really appreciate so much of what Nicholas Pierce shared in this conversation. Uh, And one of the standout ideas for me was the distinction that he made between clarity and courage. He said, instead of praying for clarity, maybe we should be praying for courage. Uh, Now, sometimes it's not that we don't know what to do or where to go. It's that we lack the courage to take action, right? Uh, Sometimes we lack the courage to do what we know we're called to do or to go where we know we're called to go. Sometimes we want to stay in our comfort zone, even when God is calling us out of our comfort zone. Well, my prayer for each of us is not only that we would be aware of our purpose, but also that we would have the courage to go where that purpose leads. The courage to take action, to try new things, and to walk through some unfamiliar doors. Now, helping you grow in the courage to follow your purpose is just what the Church Leadership Institute is designed to do. Uh, And we would love to walk with you in the midst of that. And so I want to invite you to sign up for the Church Leadership Institute's newsletter. And you can do that by going to dupree.org slash church and then sign up there. We'd also be really grateful if you would rate and review this podcast because that makes this podcast more findable for others. Well, thanks so much for being here. And I will see you next time here on Spiritual Life and Leadership. Oh, 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 oh